The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. In today's times, we often find solace, sometimes in the quiet, sometimes in prayer. For some people, it is nature. For other people, it is in communion, and it is in congregation. Oftentimes, you'll find that people have very different ways to pray. How do you pray? Is it an hour a week at a designated place of worship, or do you take your prayers out to the street? Do you pray like your parents, culture, or tribe, or have you found another way? Do you pray to God, or do you have another special name, or no name at all? Is it a monologue, or a conversation, or neither? How does your soul express itself when you are in need, and how does that differ from your expression when you feel fulfilled? Do you dance in ecstasy, bear your soul to the divine, bow in gratitude, merge with nature, or cry out for guidance? This is in the introduction of a beautiful book, How Do You Pray, by Celeste Yacoboni. The foreword is by Mirabai Starr, and it is inspiring responses from religious leaders, spiritual guides, healers, activists, and other lovers of humanity. It is like dipping yourself into a sacred anointing pool, allowing yourself to be filled and fulfilled by the words, the prayers, the sentiments of others, and finding the relationship to self as you relate to others. Celeste Yacoboni is a passionate about helping people discover a deeper experience of the sacred in their daily lives. Ordained as a minister of walking prayer by the Center for Sacred Studies, Celeste leads How Do You Pray workshops in which people share and experience different ways of connecting to a source greater than themselves. She maintains a private practice in Santa Fe, New Mexico, where she facilitates healing and transformation through her unique approach to spiritual coaching and her mastery of a number of healing arts. With breath, touch, prayer, and song, she holds a space of awareness, presence, and integration, inspiration that allows her clients to experience profound integration of body, mind, spirit, and emotion. You can find out more about her at HowDoYouPray.com. And we're going to find out more about her and this lovely book, How Do You Pray, right now. Welcome, Celeste. Thank you, Simran. This is a really lovely book. It is filled with so many beautiful voices and hearts and the depth of where they go when they are really connecting to source, to God, to self, to all that is, whatever we want to call it. And so I think I want to start first with what really, what was the prayer that you spoke for this to come into being? Or what prayer was it answering? 
bringing people together. That has been my passion, and um, I love um, hosting people at my home, bringing them together from all walks of life, all religions, cultures, and traditions. And I think from this, from this celebrating the spirit that unites us, this vision came to me to go even deeper into bringing people together. And literally, these words woke me up early one morning to an illuminated room. How do you pray? And this voice continued in these prompts, in these questions that you've uh, just read. Is it an hour a week at a designated place of worship? Or do you take your prayers out to the streets? And it went on and on as I saw a beautiful kaleidoscope vision of our humanity as our divinity. The essence of prayer, our oneness with all of life. And I saw people dancing and singing and praying and praising and whirling and bowing and kneeling and prostrating and meditating and celebrating. It was a kaleidoscope, beautiful vision of people alive, alive and celebrating this life that unites us. And I actually smelled the incense, the burning herbs, and tasted that sweet nectar of love and devotion. I felt so much love for each other, for the earth, and for, for spirit, for this divine presence that we feel so, um, so strongly when we allow ourselves to be in that relationship with what is sacred. So this We're at a time really in, in the world where there seems to be such divisiveness on all fronts, whether we look at political parties or even if we look at religions, there are places where there is such a division. Yet there is such a commonality that exists as well, but the commonality is subtle. It's under the surface. It's the, the place in the silent spaces between all the words that are sometimes the friction or the division. You talk a lot about interspirituality. Talk as to what you believe that means to you and, and the role that it plays throughout this book. Well, I've heard so much about interfaith, and I really um, would bring people together with that idea of honoring their religions, their beliefs, their systems, but it seemed to focus on differences. We would come together in this diversity. So each beautiful way was, was honored and celebrated, yet it went deeper, and I think that has been the birth of interspirituality, where we celebrate and honor that which is the same, that which is present in all of these different expressions. 
so we, we really celebrate our oneness. And there are so many forms and flavors and beautiful names for the divine and ways to pray and praise, yet there's the common thread, that which is deeper than the expression. As you move through compiling the many amazing people that are in this book, individuals such as Marianne Williamson and Christina Prater, Arun Gandhi, uh, Andrew Harvey, Glory Karpinski, there's just name after name, Llewellyn Von Lee, name after name of people that, that truly have made a mark in terms of their mysticism, their heart, their passion, and even their sacred activism already on the planet. What was something both common and something different that you found as you moved through, whether it was the conversations or the prayers? I think the most common virtue was gratitude. So many people, and you, you know, read in, in the prayers and essays in the book, started off with gratitude. And Rabbi Zalman Shachter Shalomi even said, okay, in prayer, start with gratitude. That's the easiest one. We have so much to be thankful for with every breath being here. And that was, um, that was really um, such a common thread and one that has touched my life so deeply. When I wake up in the morning, I'm filled with gratitude for, for still being here. And actually my mother, who's 94 now, and she... Um, she was the, well, the second one after my husband that I shared this vision with. And she was so touched and supportive. And she wrote, of course, how she prays. And that's what she said. I'm 94. And I wake up, I open my eyes, and I'm filled with gratitude to still be here on this beautiful and mysterious planet. I'm going to stop you right there, Celeste, because that is a common statement when it comes to most people and their prayer or when they want to start their day or when they want to open their heart to spirit or source in a deeper way. But there are many people in the world today, although there is much to be grateful for, they have a difficulty in touching what gratitude really is beyond the mental level of the concept. As a teacher and workshop leader of someone, of of many that that discuss and, and learn how to pray, what would you say to these individuals about really cultivating a sense of gratitude in a way that it's integrated and truly felt by the body, the senses, the heart, the spirit, the soul of a person, rather than just the intellectual concept of what we see gratitude as? Well, I think it always starts with me. If I was speaking to someone, I would really turn it over to them. It starts with each of us as an individual. And when we get too busy, tired, when we ignore our feelings or eat improperly or overwork, we start to feel that 
that separation, that illusion of separation. We can become judgmental, uh, aggressive, defensive, and we lose our integrity. We lose the love for life, for ourselves, and we really lose balance with the rhythms of nature that nourish us. And there's so much suffering in the world, many, many challenges. We can get really overburdened by this. We can become sick and depressed. We have these wars, and a malignancy is growing. We have fighting on the streets, all of these challenges. How do we love? How do we feel that gratitude? And it starts with us. It starts with us. It's a small light of love in our hearts that we have to sometimes claw at. We have to sometimes reach for and really look, really look to find that light. But it's there. And as it grows in ourselves and we love ourselves and take care of ourselves, one small step at a time, we start to cultivate a, a love, um, compassion, gratitude, and even forgiveness for ourselves, for, for the way we live, the way we sometimes forget to take care of ourselves, and then we forget to see that light in others. So I would remind people to really start with themselves and send love first. And it isn't even sending because there's nowhere for it to go. There's no real separation. To be in love now with ourselves and once we cultivate that light and it gets brighter and brighter, we start seeing it in everyone else and all of life and it grows and there becomes space for, for gratitude where it isn't just the stress and this illusion that's of separation that might grow. So we spoke about what was the common thread, which was gratitude. What was the, the main difference you saw between all of the contributors of this book? I would see an individuality, a personal flavor. I don't know if it was so much a difference than a beautiful, um, just like there are so many beautiful flowers, yet they're all flowers. That's how these prayers are. They really have a, a distinct flavor and often language, just like the name for God, the divine, spirit, nature. They, were, they called it by so many different and very beautiful names. And I think now we are evolving a new language to describe something that is essentially one, yet blossoms in such beautiful diversity. 
so that's really, you know, how people did it and what they called it that was, um, that that was different. Matthew Fox shares, if prayer is a radical response to life, then I'm praying when I write a book, do research, lecture, walk silently by water, be still, dance, chant phrases, utter prayers, go into contemplation, observe children or puppies at play, make love, undergo awe and amazement or grief and suffering or angry powers that be by processing. Prayer is what we do out of our depths, out of our roots, or whatever we do to return to those depths. Whereas Meister Eckhart puts it, God is at home. It is we who have gone out for a walk. This is from the book, How Do You Pray? Inspiring responses from religious leaders, spiritual guides, healers, activists, and other lovers of humanity. It is by the editor and author, Celeste Yacobani, and it is filled with amazing voices and hearts and beautiful sentiments of prayer and the beliefs and thoughts of those and how they pray. I urge you to find out more about Celeste and this book and the various things that she offers on her website, howdoyoupray.com. In addition, you can go to 1111mag.com and access the new free issue of 1111 Magazine, filled with amazing articles and voices from around the world, sharing their wisdom, their understanding, and their purpose through the pages so that you can be served and it can serve in the world in a greater way. We'll be right back with How Do You Pray and Celeste Yacobani. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. 1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts in topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine, Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Why spiritual spelunking? Why tending to our inner garden? Why devoting time to inner being when so much external doing calls upon us? An Indian sage put it wisely, Your own self-realization is the greatest service you can render the world. Join host Jeel Asselin as he serves as both guide and companion on the journey within. Nurturing the spiritual spelunker in all of us can be heard every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. In Mirror by Stars Forward to the book How Do You Pray by Celeste Yacoboni, she writes, Our relationship to spirit, if we are lucky, is ever-changing. Our prayer life reflects this fluidity. Sometimes our hearts spill over with gratitude and a spontaneous thank you billows from the cup of our soul. Or perhaps our hearts are shattered by loss, and in our free fall we cry out for the compassionate arms of an all-loving divine being. At these times, the existence of a creator seems obvious, and we are certain that the big plan makes sense, and that our only job is to say yes. At other times, the notion of a personified deity seems childish, even delusional, and we fire God and replace him with an amorphous yet sacred suchness. We consider this formless holiness to be an unnameable, but we can't help naming it a little bit. Ultimate reality, maybe, or Buddha nature, the interconnected web of being, or the great mystery. Do you believe you have to pick one and stick with it? Nearby Star needed either to believe in God, that she could love and long for, confide in and argue with, or else transcend all the dualistic concepts and forge a direct relationship with Source. So often I think that that's a concept, Celeste, that people internally struggle with. They may or may not verbalize it, but we have gone through periods in our lives where many of us may have thought, this is my source, this is my beloved, this is the, the energy and essence that I am connected to and seek to be even more deeply connected to. And yet things happen in life, and we can be like an angry child that wants to be angry and, and disown or walk away. And yet something always draws us back. There's, there's a piece that always pulls us back to that, that beautiful energy of communion and devotion and connection to an essence or a source that is everything. Talk about some of the individuals in the book that you had conversation with and what was most illuminating for you in some of those conversations. Well, I was one of those people who, um, when I was 14, I actually left the church of my youth. I grew up going to a Catholic church. My parents weren't overly religious. They gave us a lot of flexibility. Actually, my mother said even then that she said, you can pray in that church, but you don't need that church to pray. You could pray anywhere, even out on a rock in nature. So she really gave me the freedom to um, find a relationship with what is sacred to, to me. But in going to that Catholic church, I, I was taught a lot and had a lot of ideas of this patriarchal God. And by the time I was 14, it, it really didn't feel right to me. So I left that church. And I felt very blessed to still have a calling to search for that essence, 
for that sacred relationship I had the freedom to develop as a kid. And I went and I looked and I'd go to every church and temple and I felt at home everywhere and I felt this presence everywhere. And when I was um, speaking with Rabbi Zalman Schachter Shalomi, I had invited him to be part of the book and he was the first one who said, well, let's have a conversation. I gave people a choice to communicate by email or if they liked, we could actually have a phone call. He said, yeah, let's have a phone call. So um, I went down to Radio Shack and I got a phone recorder and I called Reb Zalman and we started to talk. And one of the first things he asked me was if I grew up in a spiritual tradition. And I told him that I had gone to a Catholic church, and I left it when I was 14. And then we went on to, well, he went on to, to share all the different ways that he prays. And being a Jew, he had certain prayers that he said every day, certain prayers that he said on holy days, and then other things that came up for him, very familiar things, like, like prayers of gratitude for everything, his bodily functions, I mean, even going to the bathroom, the smallest things that we take for granted, he was praying thanks for. And after our phone call, he said to me, he said, okay, this is just for you. He said, don't throw out those saints, angels, and, um, and holy ones from your youth, from that Catholic religion. He said, they are part of you. They're mm. there for you. And they always will be. Well, I think that that's one so of the journeys that many people go through as they are trying to discover who they are or why they're here is oftentimes we do leave the church of our childhood belonging or we fight against parts of it that don't feel resonant, but yet at some point either return or embrace, as he was saying, uh, pieces of that to integrate within oneself because they truly are a part of us. They are part of our being. And in as much as we may want to resist it, there is also a solace in some of what we heard. Yes. Yes, I had been so familiar with all my newer friends, allies, holy ones, that I really was forgetting the essential part of myself that I had grown from, the love of the Blessed Mother Mary and her son Jesus and all of these saints, martyrs, people who died for their love of God. And um, so this was such a a wake-up call for me and a reminder, such a great gift. I'd like to share that piece by Rabbi Zalman, Shaka Shalomi. People say to me sometimes, how come my prayer isn't answered? And I tell them, you hang up the phone too soon. It's necessary to sit for a while and to get the action directed, the marching orders for the day. The best times for prayer are the twilight times, dawn and dusk, because we have the consciousness of day and night. 
the left brain and right brain are still meeting together in the heart. And that's a very, very good prayer time. Then we have the prayers that are in the middle of the day that are rushed between one appointment and the other. And those that are quick arrow prayers that say, Here, God, I'm busy with all these things. Please help me. Find a place where you don't feel that you have to worry about being overheard and speak so that you can hear. If you sit there and you begin to concentrate on the you, 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 and you, begin to speak about what's real, even just to say, you, I feel so foolish talking to you. I don't see anybody here, and yet I know that I wouldn't be here if you weren't here. So I'm doing the best I can. I want to thank you for every breath that I take. I want to thank you for my help that is beginning to pray. That's so intimate. It's so endearing. It's, it's so embracing first of the self. When you spoke with these different ones or you received the prayers from others, there seems to be a real understanding that as much as we're trying to embrace this greater being, there must be a real embrace of the self that goes along with it. That in essence, that greater being or that source is part of the self, and so that acceptance has to be part of the conversation. Did you find that in many of the prayers and in many of the conversations that we had? I, I did, and I found um, a lot of talk about forgiveness because there were these situations that created this illusion of separation and this feeling of us and them and the feeling of the other. And in looking at that, in realizing that we are not all the same and there may be things that come up that we don't resonate with, but they are not in themselves harmful and we can find tolerance for them. And some things even that are harmful, we can forgive. And often we start with ourselves. Things that we have done that weren't in our highest integrity. And learning to forgive ourselves, we can then forgive others. So I, I feel that that was really a common thread, too, in people looking at themselves and finding that, that small light that I spoke of within their own heart that grew with awareness, putting self-awareness on it, it grew, and in that, it merged, and it merged with, with the other, and then uh, it was more possible to accept other people and, and ourselves as well. I know I woke up this morning, and I, I had this thought about um, the evolution of God, this God, we once thought God was so separate from ourselves. And just like water was so separate, water was water. Well, now we know that we're at least 70% water. And we know that we are made of the same elements 
of the stars and of the earth. So we are also made of God. We are this oneness that we often long for and set aside as separate. But we are one with each other and with God and the earth and the stars and the water. You have uh, Dr. Masur Moto in the book and, and the last paragraph in that section uh, where he talks about water is, we say four phrases to send our thanks, love, and apologies to the water and seek forgiveness from the water. We say, water, we are sorry. Water, please forgive us. Water, we love you. And water, we thank you. We then close our eyes and offer a quiet prayer for one minute. In this prayer, usually we visualize the spirit of the water and send our prayer to that spirit. Often we also offer a song to the water. Usually I choose a piece from Beethoven's Symphony No. 9, Ode to Joy. This is the sequence of my prayer. Uh, you sent me, when you sent the book, a beautiful sampling of prayer anointment and also the Ho'opono chant that you sing in state, and it's beautifully done. And that particular Hawaiian prayer... It's, it's so simple and yet so pure in, in its truth and its meaning and its expansiveness of all things. Talk a little bit about the Ho'opono prayer and the devotional experience that came through creating that CD. Um, well, I had heard about Dr. Hugh Len, who was known as the world's most unusual therapist. He was working at a uh, um, state mental hospital for the criminally insane in Hawaii. And these people were shackled and um, really in a bad way, violent, and there was not much hope for them that they would ever heal or be released. And um, Dr. Hulan took on the job as a therapist there, and he made remarkable, uh, remarkable strides in healing and bringing this uh, transformation to this facility. And when asked how he did it, how he worked with these patients, he said that he had actually never met them, but he worked in his office with their files, and he cleared himself with this Hawaiian practice of ho'oponopono, love, forgiveness, gratitude, and compassion, because he felt in everything that he attracted, he was responsible for. So because these people came into his awareness, he, by clearing himself, was clearing them because there are no boundaries. Well, it was really working. And I started using this as my mantra. I'm sorry. I love you. Please forgive me and thank you. And I was offering it to the divine. I had no reason to say it. I was just saying it. And I really such a resonance of love, compassion, gratitude, and forgiveness that I shared it with other people, and, and it, it worked for them, too. 
Well, one day I was uh, driving home from my office, and it poured out of me in song. There I was singing it. And I, I called a friend. I knew she wasn't there, but I wanted to record it on her voicemail in case, you know, I might forget it. But I didn't forget it, and I kept singing it, and, um, it, and it spread. People would ask me to open their workshops and to lead circles, and I eventually recorded it. But I got so many uh, testimonials that just like it touched me, it was touching other people. It opened the heart. It transcended the mind in getting to a place of pure love and singing the language of the heart. This um, beautiful song, Riding on the Breath, really brought people together in in a lovely way, in in a loving way. My guest today is Celeste Jacoboni, and we are talking about her book, How Do You Pray? You can go to her website, howdoyoupray.com. Celeste awoke before dawn one auspicious morning with a unifying vision which illuminated the darkness. She heard with her heart the collective voice of the world soul asking, how do you pray? As the inquiry presented itself to her mind, she let go and her heart felt and knew the essence and oneness of all people, spiritual practices, and religious traditions the essential expression of the spiritual, shamanic, scientific, and atheist alike. She realized the love and appreciated the unity and diversity. Like flowers of different colors, shapes, and fragrances, all are plants just the same. The words in the book reveal themselves. How do you pray? What is your soul's expression? How do you dance in ecstasy? Bear your soul to the divine, bow in gratitude, merge with nature, or cry out for guidance. The book will inspire you. It will deepen you. It will allow you to inquire within yourself. How do you pray? Find out more again at howdoyoupray.com. We'll be right back after these messages. The Seventh Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. 1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts in topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized. 
so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. I definitely invite you to visit my website as well. You can check out my books, Conversations with the Universe, Your Journey to Enlightenment, and Your Journey to Love, in addition to many online courses and mentoring programs that I have there to support your growth and evolution or just the deepening of your own self-realization. My guest today is Celeste Giacoboni, and we are talking about her beautiful book, How Do You Pray? You can go to her website, howdoyoupray.com, and find out more about that. When you register, you can also receive a beautiful sampling of the five-minute chant of the Ho'oponopono that we discussed in the last section. I'm going to read a, a piece from Normandy Ellis. In the morning, I wake inside green tents of light cast down by maple trees. Isis breathes next to me. I walk into a cathedral of trees amid the choir of birds and wind, amid dripping leaves and rushing creek. Isis sings in the morning air. I feel the breath of my family stirring up from the blankets, filling the teacups and billowing the curtains. With their powerful dreams, Isis dreams through and inside them. The earth is a prayer rug, my coffee cup, a common chalice. The rising sun is a wafer of light. Take, eat, this is my body. Do this and remember me. She says, Sandra Engelman says, Prayer to me is waking up each morning and giving gratitude for the miracle of my life and the life of all living beings that are connected to the web of life. I pray by giving thanks and gratitude to earth, air, water, and fire, and sun for giving me all that I need to thrive. I give thanks for the love of the universe with God, the goddess, knowing that I am being supported through the good times and the challenges that lead to my growth and my evolution. Prayer for me is the way of life that is not separate from each breath and each step I take on this great earth. I pray for others and the earth by seeing all in its divine light, lifting all who I pray for into radiance. I think one of the most beautiful things about this book is the fact that it does let people experience prayer in many different forms and perspectives, regardless of the religious or spiritual background that one has come from. And as we move forward and we look at our youth, they really are moving away from religion and more towards spirituality. And so this integration or exposure to the oneness of all things is incredibly important so that they find their own roots, both within themselves and within the earth. Talk about how you perceive the importance of passage of prayer and the story of prayer onto the youth is, especially at this time. 
Well, I feel that prayer is a, an awareness. It's more of a prayerness than even doing something. Sure, we have rituals. We were tribal people, and we had community and rituals that really nourished us. We're falling away from those now, and often the church, the churches and um, institutionalized religion aren't really addressing this need in us for community and ritual. It's become, um, it's become something else, and it isn't so fulfilling in many cases. Of course, a lot of the churches are changing, too, and changing with the needs of people. But a lot of us are exploring. We're uh, moving into our own relationship. So finding a way to put awareness on what we find sacred, often the earth, nature, and all the beautiful, um, the beautiful ways that we have communion with the divine, with something greater than our small self. So I call this prayerness. It is this awareness that makes a difference in living a life of unconsciousness or living a life of meaning, synchronicity, and, and sacredness. So in sharing these beautiful prayers in the book, these 129 people really went personal and deep to share how they do it, how they find this communion with the divine. And also in the book, I would like to mention that there are biographies. So each person has a biography that you could see where they're coming from. You know, if they are in a religious tradition or find out more about them. So that really gives a lot of depth to, um, to who, this, who they are and how these prayers and ways developed. So now I think we can share. We can share rituals, rites of passage. We could share with our community um, all of our personal discoveries with the divine and really um, celebrate this spirit called by any name that unites us. One thing that is a responsibility of us as conscious adults and parents moving forward is to also model the proper use of prayer. And when I say proper, I don't mean that there's a right and a wrong, but the more conscious use of prayer, I guess, is, is the way to speak it. There are times where prayer is issued out of desperation and fear and wanting because one is not at peace with what is. And there are times that prayer is issued in a place of devotion and love and acceptance in embrace of what is. As you move through the course of creating this book, and through your own process of really discovering so much about prayer and becoming such a mentor and change agent in that area yourself, can you speak to the two polarities of prayer and, 
and how they impact the the prayer field or the residence of life as we know it. Yes. Well, I think um, there was um, a a way of prayer where we asked for things. You know, dear God, please give me this. And often it got a little um, it it got a little selfish. It got a little um, blinded in what was essential and what we really need. Um, and now these prayers are evolving as our consciousness is evolving to trust and surrender in something that is greater. Like Dan Millman in the book and, and lots of other people actually said one of their prayers is, Thy will be done. So they are trusting in something larger than their own knowing and experience. Like uh, Regina Sarah Ryan said, there can be, you know, fires um, in the summer in New Mexico or wars in Afghanistan. But instead of asking for these situations to stop, she, she thought that was very presumptuous. She just stood in her place of love and light and sent a prayer for the highest good, whatever that might be. So I really saw a common thread in, in this trusting and surrendering in something larger than ourselves and perhaps our limited vision. I call it a prayer field, this spiritual dimension. And it is just a bandwidth away from our everyday consensual reality where sometimes we forget or we don't see and we are limited to our own needs and experiences. But this prayer field contains all prayers and all ways of, of praising. And I think it's a flow of love for ourselves, for the earth, and for the divine. So as we commune with this larger picture and trust and, and be in love and I will be done, I feel that it's pumping this prayer field, and we are more in alignment with something greater, and we, our prayers are actually answered through a synchronicity, through a way that is larger than perhaps what we could have even expected as an answer to our prayer. A lot of talk, especially around spirituality and religion, prayer and the like, uh, is, is divided into is it science or is it religion? Is it, is it left brain or is it right brain? And, and is prayer in your mind, is it a protocol? Is it science? Is it a process? Um, is it a technology? Where would you categorize this? And is it perhaps the bridge between the two? Oh, I, it is the bridge between the two. I know as a child, I 
went back and forth. I didn't know if I wanted to be a nun or a scientist because I loved both. And now it's as if there is such a strong thread running between the two. What I'm now, you know, calling the prayer field, quantum physics is calling it the quantum field. And the indigenous people, the wisdom of the original peoples, called it the web of life. So we're really crossing these discoveries, technologies, these different systems of wisdom where it is a a little bit of everything. So we can satisfy our intellect by reading these discoveries in quantum physics, in the new science. And we can bask in the mystery of the unknowable and trust in something that we can't explain. So it's really everything. And I love that. I want to thank you, Celeste, for being on 1111 Talk Radio and birthing such a beautiful book. It is entitled, How Do You Pray? You can find out more about Celeste Giacoboni in this book, in addition to all of her other work at howdoyoupray.com. I want to close out today's show reading The Prayer for the World by Marianne Williamson. Dear God, we pray for this, our world. We ask that you remove the walls that separate us and the chains that hold us down. Use us to create a new world on earth, one that reflects your will, your vision, your peace. In this moment, we recognize the power you have given us to create anew the world we want. Today's world, dear Lord, but reflects our past confusion. Now in this moment, we ask for new light. Illumine our minds. Use us, dear Lord, as never before, as a part of a great and mighty plan for the healing of this world. May we no longer be at war with each other. May we no longer be at war with ourselves. Let us forgive this century and every other, the evils of history, the pain of our enormous common fears. Remove from our hearts the illusion that we are separate. May every nation and every people and every color and every religion find at last the one heartbeat we share. Through you, our common father-mother, and the redeemer of our broken dreams, May we not hold on to yesterday. May we not obscure your vision of tomorrow. But rather may you flood our hearts, flow through us, work through us, that in our lives we might see the illumined world, create, sustain that world on earth, dear God, for us and for our children. Hallelujah at the thought. Praise God, the possibility that such a thing could come to be, through you, through your light that shines within us. So may it be. So may it be. We thank you, Lord. Amen. In love of love, with love and as love, I am Simran. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality. 
Your heart to greater compassion and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Zimron next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.